Thank you for tuning in to Adversity University and welcome to class. Hey everyone, this is Sean and a little surprise for you guys today. We have our producer and editor, Sam Thrutchley, his first day as a host. Garrett was unfortunately unable to make this interview. So thought we'd bring him in and hopefully you guys get to know him a little bit. He's a terrific guy and obviously has a lot of insight and I'm looking forward to maybe having him on more in the future. So today's guest was Nick Halloran. He actually played with Sam in AAA hockey here. We all played for the same organization, the Colorado Rampage. You've definitely heard our ad reads for him. So it was a great spot for us all to develop. And Halloran's now playing for the LA Kings farm team, the Ontario Reign. And we're really excited for him to be going on this journey in the future. Sam, what did you think of Hallie's interview today? Yeah, I mean, first things first, I just got to be grateful that I'm in the essence of Sean Giles hosting Aversa University. You know, it's been a, it was a great pod. Um, of course, we got Hallie on. He's been a good buddy of ours for a long time. He grew up with Garrett as well. And uh, condolences to Garrett. We hope he feels better. He wasn't feeling very good, but um, we know he wanted to do Hallie for this interview. And um, unfortunately, fortunately for me, I got to do it. And, you know, Hallie's a great guy. He, we learned about his journey from, um, playing triple A hockey, battling through some injuries, some mental stuff, um, goes to Colorado college, you know, right here in the Springs where we're from and he's playing pro hockey now, you know, he's right below the NHL and he's just, uh, right on the outside looking in. So we're really proud of him and excited for him to, uh, continue his hockey career this season. And yeah. Yeah, I always love doing these interviews with people that we know. And obviously, Hallie was your teammate. He's been my friend. We've gone through this process together. And it's cool learning more about people, like on a deeper level, because you don't very often ask your close friends some of these some of these questions. So it was nice to be in an environment where we could do that. And I also like interviewing the players who are just starting their careers, because you know, a, a lot of the previous interviews we've done with Jim Thompson and players at the end of their career they have very different things to talk about. And those are fantastic. And I love those interviews too. But, you know, Hallie just going into his rookie season, we got to focus more on the process of getting there rather than, you know, the enjoyment of just being a professional. We got to hear more about how to become a professional. So I thought that was a cool aspect of the interview today. Yeah. And Hallie's just, you know, he's, he's a smart kid, economics degree from Carl college. And he's just really aware of like his surroundings, his teammates, like he understands the game. He understands school. Like he's just, he's dialed in. And I mean, through all the adversity he's talked about, like he's just always been so straightforward and, you know, he's just always willing to accept the challenge. And I mean, you just got to appreciate for appreciate him for that and um, how it's gotten him to where he is. And, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he's up in the big leagues within the next couple of years. You know, he's just a phenomenal human being, and we're lucky that we were able to interview him and learn a little bit about him. We talked about all the connections that we have together with Hallie. We actually had a guest appearance from Daniel Brickley. Episode one of Adversity University is roommates with Nick Halloran now. So really cool to, you know, have that connection stop by too. Let's kick it on over to Nick Halloran. Finally, a summer school you'll actually want to attend. 365 Performance Hockey Academy Summer School is a 10-week program for players who want to take their hockey training to the next level. The focal points of this summer school will be on character and mindset training, on and off ice development, 
physical literacy and athletic development, as well as nutrition, sleep, and recovery. During these 10 weeks, players will take part in video training and evaluation, as well as community outreach to promote character growth. 365 Performance Hockey Academy is a 10-week program starting June 7th. Registration is open now, but act fast because spots are limited. Today's guest is another Colorado Rampage alumni. Sam, Garrett, Nick, and I were all part of the program in 2013-2014. Since then, Nick went on to play junior A hockey for the Trail Smoke Eaters in the BCHL, where he committed to play Division I hockey for the Colorado College Tigers. While at CC, he was a Hobie Baker nominee, made the NCHC first all-star team, and the NCAA second all-American team. He signed a contract with the Ontario Reign and the AHL and is set to play his first professional game, hopefully in a couple of days. Welcome to Adversity University, Nick Halloran. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. Hallie, how have you been and what are you doing to prepare for the season during the current pandemic? Uh, just uh, a lot of training, trying to stay busy. Um, I read a couple books to keep the mind sharp, but other than that, just working out and uh, getting ready for a kind of a shortened season, but it should be like a four or five month sprint here. So I'm pretty excited. Uh, what books did you read? Can you recommend any of them? Uh, I read a murder mystery. It's called uh, The Woman in Cabin 10. It was pretty good. That's the only one that I'd recommend, but um, yeah. Criminal justice major, huh? <laughs> no, economics, but uh, yeah, it piqued my interest for sure. Oh, you know all about that stock market stuff going on? Uh, a little bit. It's pretty crazy. I kind of like it. I bought a little bit of GameStop just to get in on it. Nice. Did you buy nice. it early? Have you made any profit? Uh, a little bit, but not much. I just wanted what? to be a part of it. What about Dogecoin? Oh man, I, I don't know. That's pretty crazy. Like cryptos, uh, I like the idea of it, but I don't really know much. So it's really no. volatile, huh? Absolutely. Are you in on it? A little bit, just like some Bitcoin. No, no Dogecoin for me. boy. Yeah. yeah, it's been crazy how that's just taken over the locker room. Like it's the only thing that the boys are talking about these days. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's uh, cool. It's kind of like, you know, not just institutional investors are making a bunch of money. It's kind of like all the boys with their smartphones. <laughs> <laughs> like sports betting, dude. Do yeah. it on that? No. You can't I be, huh? No, I don't sports bet. It's uh that's a slippery slope. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're from you Draper, Utah. To, oh, sorry. Are, are you even allowed to be on those sports betting things? But um, athlete or is that I don't really know the rules. I think like obviously you can't bet in your own league or sports like that, but I don't know how it works for other leagues. So you're from Draper, Utah, and there's a few people we know now have made it to Division One in professional hockey from this non-traditional market. Uh, our very first episode was with Daniel Brickley. He's now your teammate, right? Yeah. Yep. And uh, obviously our, our other typical host is Garrett Metcalf, also from Utah. How are you able to reach such an elite level of hockey without much of a hockey culture in your growing up? Uh, that's a great question. I think uh, I think kind of you know, there's a little bit of hockey there, but it's not very competitive. And I think out of, um, you know, the small market that it is, everyone knows everyone. So I think part of growing up, everyone knew, you know, kind of who, who could play. And I think it was almost 
you know, outside of the actual game, like a little internal competition between everyone from Utah to see like, you know, how far you could, could make it and go. And I think part of that helped all of us get to where we made it. So, yeah. Yeah. We talk about how it's really important to surround yourself with others who have those similar goals. Like, you know, when you're in the gym with other pro hockey players, it's easy to push yourself. So it's interesting to see how, you know, coming from a place where it's just a few of you, it sounds like it became more of like a, not like personal competition, but it was easier to have each other to kind of always be comparing to rather than a whole group. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I talked to, you know, G bricks, obviously, cause we're on the same team. Um, Anaya here and there, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's nice having a couple Utah boys make it and, you know, rep, uh, rep Utah because it's not big hockey hotbed, but, uh, yeah. Garrett also told us that, uh, you grew up with an outdoor rink in your backyard. What was that like? Yeah. My stepdad's a general contractor and, uh, he kind of just made this like little, I don't know, like half a zone type, uh, rink and it was unbelievable you know you go out and rip pucks till your hands are bleeding type thing and so it felt good um skating every night and I think that was probably where I enjoyed where I picked up like loving hockey most and I think that's the most important part of the game is you know having fun with it absolutely Garrett also told us there might be a story with uh that rink and a coffee cake (laughs) uh Nah, not much of one. Uh, I just remember Gary used to pound coffee cakes like it was his day job. So, <laughs> yeah, he uh, he was bigger as a kid. Huh? We'll just leave hey, it at that. Speak of the devil here. We got oh. Br- Bricks delivering a TV here. What's up, folks? Well, Bricks, what's up, dude? <laughs> episode one. Yeah, episode one. Wow, that is insane. Bricks just brought me a massive TV. This guy's what the man. Spotlight. Great yeah. Not a roommate. How's it going, buddy? How's camp going? What's up? How's camp going? Uh, camp's good. We're just ending up preseason. When's our first game? February fifth. Uh, no, like the twelfth. Okay. Yeah. So now we just have some practices and get going. How different have things been with uh, the pandemic going on rather than like last year? Uh, I mean a lot. Can't really go out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everything shut down and then just protocol going to the rink, COVID testing every day, stuff like that. Wearing masks. Yeah, the masks are brutal. Yeah, I think Briggs has got to head out. Thank you, dude. Good man. Appreciate that. Thanks, yeah. Yeah, Briggs just brought me a TV. Pretty nice of him. So you can game? Yeah, big gamer. What's your game? I, I've heard you're not very good, but I heard you love to play. <laughs> That's pretty fair, honestly. I'm not great, but I like to be in on the action. Yeah. Call of Duty mainly. So. Well, you know, we were just talking about Garrett and mucking his coffee cakes on the outdoor rink, but you kind of had to leave home a little bit early. You were only 14, right, when you came out here to play Thunderbirds and then start your club crew out here? Yeah, I uh, left, yeah, like 14, 15. And uh, I mean, kind of like we touched on, Utah is just, I mean, has some good teams, but I think I just got a lot more exposure out here. And I think that was pretty important. So 
left home. Uh, that was pretty tough, but luckily I had my mom come with me and she rented an apartment and was here till then I was on my own senior year. But um, yeah, Colorado hockey is pretty competitive and it was nice to get out of Utah and, you know, see that there's a lot more hockey players in the world than I had originally thought. So. Yeah, for sure. Was it kind of difficult for you to go from obviously being the best player in Utah, you know, in your age group, arguably top two, top one at most. And then you come here and you're playing Thunderbirds, playing Rampage, and you're not necessarily the best guy on your team. Was it hard for you to like, you know, you knew you had to break down your work ethic and you were going to have to really want to achieve those minutes? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, when you go to a new team or a new level, you have to prove yourself. And um, part of that was pretty tough, you know, like coming from Utah where I was the best player, but, uh, you know, going to a team where, you know, you're not maybe not, not playing first, second line minutes or power play, you just got to find little things that you can do to, you know, have that confidence, like, you know, winning your shift or chipping a puck out, small little battles. And I think the more small little victories that you can find in your game, I think that'll translate to an overall better game and, you know, points and goals and whatever. I think that'll come along with the, the little thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you were playing great hockey and you were playing up in Denver for well-known club, the Colorado Thunderbirds. You actually got cut your U16 year, arguably like the biggest year for scouts and especially in the United States to come and start picking players for juniors, even looking for college already. So how did that kind of impact you getting cut from that U that U16 Thunderbirds team and having to go play U16 Rampage? Um, at the moment, it was crazy. Like it was, uh, you know, I thought the world was over type thing because I thought I was going to make team and whatnot. And you know, when I didn't make it at the moment, like I said, it was you know I didn't know what to think. And but, but in hindsight, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me because um, I think one, it was a wake up call and to it kind of, you know, lit a fire under me that said, I'm going to prove you all wrong and, and do it on my own and I'll figure it out type thing. Like I got this regardless. Uh, that didn't come right away. I definitely thought about honestly not even playing hockey anymore. Cause I just, you know, it was one of the first major obstacles I've faced in my life. Um, so that, that was tough, but, uh, you know, originally I started to think like, you know, these people aren't going to dictate my story and, you know, I'm going to write it my way. So, um, decided to keep playing and prove them wrong. And, you know, I think I've, think I've achieved, you know, some level of that. Yeah. I had a really similar experience too. I, uh, I was cut for my first year of U16 at the rampage and, you know, it just gave us, gave me that chip on my shoulder. So I had to play high school hockey instead. And, you know, I had to work that much harder because I wasn't getting those top reps against the best players in my age group. Right. And I think that it's something that one of our other guests, Mike Boyle said, you know, prepare your child for the path. Don't prepare the path for your child. And, you know, we're going to get into it later, but I think that having that adversity earlier in life helped you get through, you know, some of your injuries later in your career. And eventually you're going to have a big obstacle. So you can't always just remove them from your life and expect it to go smooth. So um, how do you think that adversity maybe changed your mindset? Uh, I think, it, like I said, it actually was the best thing for me because in life, you know, I think that's when you find out most about yourself is when you face adversity and go through something tough that in the moment you're like, this is the worst thing ever. But, 
you know, you really dig deep and find out who you really are. And I think, uh, so adversity like that was, was pretty big for me. And I think going into, um, you know, hockey and just life in general that, you know, not everything is cookie cutter put out for you type type way. Like you got to earn your way and chip away at what you want. And really at the bottom line, it's just work. So you just got to work, work really hard. And, um, that's, you know, that's about it. It's pretty easy recipe, you know, just work hard. I think role models are huge too. And your brother, Alex, he also played in the BCHL and then he played division one hockey for the air force Academy. Um, how did he impact your journey and maybe help you while you were growing up? He was, you know, one of, if not the biggest influence on me. I don't even think I'd be playing hockey without him. Uh, he was great. He was, he was awesome for me for a number of reasons, you know, fight a bad game or whatnot. He'd be the first guy to just say, Hey, you know, forget about it. Go do something, go play some video games. You know, it's just hockey, you know, it's just a game at the end of the day. And that kind of took a while for me to figure out that, you know, it is just a game and you're playing it cause you love it. And as a kid, you know, you grow up and then you kind of realize it's a little bit more serious and whatnot, but uh, he was, pivotal for me in every aspect of it. And I think that was probably the biggest part was the mental side of it. So your brother was initially uh, committed to play air force, right? And then, so he ends up going to play there. How did you um, actually get committed to air force? And then you ended up leaving to go and play at CC, correct? Can you kind of walk us through that process and how all that went down for recruiting? Yeah. um, He was there when I was playing, my senior year at uh he was actually there when I was in Colorado the whole time but my senior year when you and I threw out to run the same team um he was still there and I went on a visit and you know they showed me around and eventually offered me and I took it and at the moment I was you know definitely the right decision exactly what I wanted and but uh kind of took a while but I came to the conclusion, you know, the academy wasn't really for me and that's a tough lifestyle and you really want to think hard before doing something like that. And you got to make sure you're all in because if you're not all in, you're all out basically. So um, it was a tough decision, but yeah, I decided to end up decommitting and then Colorado College scouted me in my first year of juniors. And, you know, I liked their facility and their program and their team and they were, they were in a rebuild, which was really big for me, you know, having some opportunity right away on a division one team. So I thought it was the best fit. Was there ever any animosity going back and playing Air Force and having to see Coach Territory and how all that went down? Or was it all kind of fine, just brushed under the rug? Uh, I think most of it was brushed under the rug. I mean, I think they deal with that quite a bit because of their unique circumstance with their school. So uh, I don't think it was too big of a deal. It's definitely some pride on the line, though, every time we played him. Yeah, how cool is it playing in that outdoor game? After uh, the Avs played, you played the next day, right? Yeah, that was incredible. That was one of the coolest games I've ever played. That was the coolest game I've ever played. Um, it was kind of weird because, you know, you're not used to seeing, like, so much space between you and the fans. But I guess now we are. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was incredible. It was really cool. And it actually wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be, but um, yeah, it was fascinating. 
Yeah, I got that same opportunity my freshman year at Robert Morris. Uh, the Penguins played the Flyers at Heinz Field. And the next day we played Niagara. We played another Rampage alumni, uh, Kevin Patterson. It was his last regular season game, I think, actually. So those that experience is really cool. And, you know, you have the long walk out from the football locker room all the way to the center of the field and really unique experience. So I'm glad you got to do something like that, too. Did you, uh, did you throw the eye black on? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Did you? Oh, absolutely. What was your, what was your style? Uh, pretty basic. Just, you know, two fingers under both eyes. Did you go crazy? No, no. I just stuck simple. A yeah. couple guys went big triangles and I think just too much is, you know, tough look. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't really analyzed too many uh, football looks. I wasn't ready when the time came. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, neither was I. I was panicking. So during your time at Colorado college, you uh, were going through some injuries and you actually elected to have hip surgery during the middle of your junior year at CC. What went into deciding it was worth it to end your season early? Um, honestly, my future hip, <laughs> it was, uh, just, it was excruciating to play through and in. So, um, you know, I wasn't doing myself any favors on the ice nor to my teammates. Uh, it was a tough decision, but ultimately it was the right one in my mind. And, um, you know, my hips are doing really well now, and uh, it, it was tough. But I, at the moment, like, you know, there wasn't much I could really do on the ice, and I just felt like, you know, kind of it was either now or never. How long had it been bothering you leading up to that? Uh, good bit throughout the summer, and then kind of got worse as we started playing games. Yeah, there's that fine line between – you know, toughing it out and realizing that you're only going to make it worse. Right. And, um, it's never an easy thing. And I think that luckily trainers always have the players, you know, long-term health in mind. They realize that, you know, this game, this weekend isn't as important as being able to move the rest of your life. So sounds like you had some good people to help you there, but, um, we talked about it a little bit before, but the mental side of not playing and that injury is almost tougher than the physical side. How are you able to, you know, stay involved and remain a part of the team, even though you weren't on the ice with them? Uh, yeah, it was really tough. Uh, I think the biggest part was just surrounding yourself with, you know, people that love you and talk to them as much as you can family, you know, reach out, just stay in contact with, you know, your family is uh, for me, that's what got me through. It was just reaching out and talking through whatever's on your mind that day. Even if it's something as small as, you know, your sandwich wasn't, how you wanted it to taste or something <laughs> just little, it's just good to talk things out. Um, so for me, it was just, you know, surrounding myself with people that uh, really cared about me and, you know, had my best interests at, at heart. And then the team aspect, were you able to, you know, still be in the locker room, be around the guys and, you know, you're a leader, you're, you're in your junior year and you were a captain that next year. So um, how are you able to still help the team? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just being a positive attitude at the rink and, you know, seeing guys, you know, cracking jokes, whatever, uh, just being able to, you know, put their mind at ease off the ice any way I could and encourage them on the ice when they needed it. So, you know, the, there's not much you can really do, but you just got to bring a positive attitude every day. And then did you have that surgery in Vail? I did. Uh, I think Garrett said that uh, you two actually had them like day by day. So yours was the day after his and you guys had no idea that you know, two guys growing up together, being great friends would end up back in surgery together. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. We were both, you know, in bed playing video games together the next day. Okay. Small world. Yeah. He's pretty brutal like uh, Call of Duty, huh? Uh, I don't play with him, so uh, I don't know. He's always playing. You're talking a pretty big game over there, hey, Thrush? I know, dude. We got to get on the sticks one of these days. Yeah, absolutely. I got my TV buzzing here, so I think we're <laughs> in business. Um, I just had a quick question about your hip surgeries. So your hip surgery, you get it halfway through your junior year, but in your sophomore season – you were actually one of the Hobie Baker nominees, correct? Yeah. So yeah. you were thrown into like the, like you made it through the first two rounds, I think, correct? It was like. Oh, like I, I actually didn't. Um, I wasn't top 10. I was just the oh. like two guys from each team nominee, but yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. You had yourself a career season, right? Like yeah. that was off the charts, like top of the league. And then you come into your next season and you realize you got to do this hip surgery. Like what's going through your head? Are you just like, I got to prepare for the future. This is what's going to happen right now. Or are you like, this could be it. Um, I never thought this could be it, but uh, you know, I think that's a good point is thinking about the future is like trying to solve a math equation by chewing bubblegum, you know, like you can't, do anything about what hasn't happened yet. And I think that's one of the most important things is to just live in the moment, even as cheesy as it sounds like it's true. Like you just got to take it day by day and whatever you're doing at that moment, be there and like be present. So, um, no, I wasn't thinking about it too much, but, uh, yeah, that year was crazy. Like, you know, things were just going in. I was throwing the puck to the net and it was fine in its way and going into the next year. Yeah. I was tough with my hip, but, uh, like I said, it was, you know, for me, it was the right decision. And, you know, my hip's doing really well now. So uh, it was tough at the time, but in hindsight, it was a good decision for me. I think Sam brought up a really good point, though. You know, coming off that career sophomore season, were you worried that, you know, getting the surgery would stop that momentum you had? And, you know, you'd have to be starting fresh, obviously, without that training. No, I, I didn't really know what I didn't know at the time. And I was just kind of inexperienced in um life and you know you learn as you go uh I definitely wasn't aware of what was ahead of me as far as like the work that needed to be put in to get back to where I want to be and where I am now in my opinion so um it was a long road but uh you know I I'd, I'd probably tell me tell myself that is like you know strap in like this isn't just like a little you know, procedure. It's like, you got to really put the time in and work in to get back to where you want to be. So, um, yeah. <clears throat> How has, um, your team now, like, um, Ontario rain, have they questioned that surgery at all or any of that process or they just see you buzz around out there and they're just like, ah, oh, we, we don't care. He'll be fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm hundred percent healthy right now and I feel fast and healthy so there's no concerns here how's la it's awesome sunny it's not better than utah though right oh it's putting up a good fight i mean i'm like five minutes from the beach here so <clears throat> that's so funny uh just i got another question 
What is a smoke eater? I couldn't tell you. I, I have no idea. Um, I think it originates from the town. It's like a town built on, like everyone works at the factory in the town and there's like these huge smokestacks. And I think it came from like just the people, not, I mean, like the, the smoke just pops out and it's like the main thing in the town. And I think kind of just came from that. Wow. That's crazy. That's pretty cool. That fits you. Yeah, no, I loved it. It was a, it was a fun town and the people love their hockey there and they're pretty passionate. Mm-hmm. Well, you haven't played your first pro game yet, but after your first training camp, what has the adjustment uh, or some of the major adjustments you've had to make from going to, you know, NCAA D1 hockey to playing, I mean, right there with guys that have played in the NHL like a handful of times, you know? Uh, honestly, I just think experience, like, you know, time management of the game, you know, there's a lot of veterans that understand how the game's played and what the right play is and what the wrong play is and how crucial those can be, you know, chipping a puck in, chipping a puck out instead of trying to make a move at the, the, the blue line or whatnot. Um, everyone's stronger, bigger, faster. So that's been a bit of an adjustment, but, um, I think I'm handling it pretty well. Are you in the gym every day? Yeah, yeah, we work out basically every day. But for your beach bod too. <laughs> yeah, beach bod doesn't take a day off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the big thing I've noticed is the difference from, you know, college to pro is how much extra time you have. So, you know, it's your only job. Whereas in college, you kind of got to leave the rink right away because you have classes, homework, all that other stuff to worry about. Uh, in pro, it's been nice, you know, the rink is the only thing you have to do all day. So you can get there a couple hours early. You can stay a couple hours late, you know, take care of what you need to and really focus on those extra details. Have you been impressed by some of the routines that those veterans have? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can just tell they're absolute pros by showing up early, taking care of their bodies, getting their, their body and their mind ready for, even if it's just practice, whatever, um, they're dialed and they're dialed in and, you know, they'll study the practice plan and know exactly what the drills are before the coach even goes over it. So, uh, yeah, it's awesome seeing and learning from, you know, veteran pros. Yeah. And you have, uh, actually number two draft pick, right. From this past season, Quinn Byfield. Yep. Was he with you at training camp? How, how's he like, I know you're probably keeping up with him, but he's gotta be pretty good out there. Yeah. He, he's a pretty good player. He's, uh, Honestly, I think the biggest thing that surprised me was like how big he is. He's huge, but he's also like really silky. So there's definitely a reason he went too. Yeah. I mean, you're obviously one of the younger guys on that team, but I mean, how much younger is he than you? Is he, is he 01 or an 02? Honestly, I think I'm one of the older guys on the team. It's crazy. I think our, our, we have one of the youngest teams in the AHL right now. Um, I think the average age is like 21. So, uh, I'm 23 and there's a bunch of young kids. So we got a young team, pretty skilled. Uh, yeah, he's like, I think 18 or something. So I can't imagine, you know, there's a lot of spotlight on him for sure. That's something else that's changed a lot in recent years. I think that, you know, the leagues are getting younger and younger and especially the American leagues, they want to develop those guys and get them to the NHL right away. Why do you think younger players have been able to, you know, step into those big roles? You know, 18 year olds are getting drafted and playing in the NHL the next year? 
why do you think that, you know, we're able to do that so much more frequently now than say, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Right. Right. I think part of it's the growth of the game. Uh, you know, I think hockey growing, not only, you know, in the States, but internationally, everyone is like all the hockey communities, everyone's seeing what the pros are doing, picking up little tips and tricks. And these young kids are getting really good at it. And, you know, um, I think you'll see a lot of younger guys playing at higher levels, partly due to that wide cast that the NHL has, has, you know, grown out there. So um, I think just the exposure to the game has really grown that. And, you know, young kids are just dedicated and passionate. And I think you're seeing that in the NHL. I think you just brought up a really good point too, with like social media, there's all these skill coaches who are sharing little drills and coaches who are breaking down film and, you know, before you had social media, you only learned from the coaches you had. So by the time that you got to pro, you had four or five really good coaches, right? But now, like you said, these little kids can have hundreds of coaches that they're getting information from. And, you know, it's, you're like a sponge when you're younger, right? So they're just taking it all in, taking it all in, getting these extra reps. And just, I think access to off ice training has become so much better. Like you'll see a lot of guys, like you obviously had a rink at your house, which was definitely nice or a little sheet. And, uh, but like guys living in places like LA can have, you know, that synthetic ice and little things like that, that can help them train so much more at home. Absolutely. Yep. No, the game is uh, going in the right direction. It's awesome to see. And uh, I think part of that is the off ice training. I think people are taking it, uh, you know, seriously. And that's definitely partly why these young kids are able to do what they're doing. You like to play any roller hockey? No, I've actually never got into it. I got a good pair of blades, but never got into roller hockey. Well, dude, you're in LA now, though. You can join that awesome Matthews League. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I don't have my blades with me, so I'd have to figure that out. But I, I've actually never heard of that league, Austin Matthews League. I'm a big roller guy, Hallie. I, uh, you wouldn't guess it by the way I play on the ice, but a skilled guy like you, you would love roller. Is there, like, offsides? Like, no, not, not no offsides, no icing, four on four. Like, there's contact along the walls, but no open ice hitting. So it's really a skilled game. I, I think it's more like lacrosse, honestly, because, you know, in ice hockey, it's just north-south, dump and chase. Like, but lacrosse, you kind of set up with possession, even though it's even strength. And similar as roller hockey, like, you'll get the puck, possess it in the offensive zone so you can get a grade-A chance. It's a lot of fun. Nice. That sounds like a blast. Yeah. No, I've never played. I got to get into it. It's just like unlimited power play. Your favorite thing. <laughs> Couldn't imagine a better game. <laughs> well, Hallie, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's been awesome hearing more about your story. And obviously we knew you a bit before, but I always like interviewing, you know, friends because you learn more about them on a deeper level. So thank you for joining us. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best in your rookie season. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Good luck, Hallie. Thank you for listening to this episode of Adversity University. You can follow more news about Adversity University on our social media pages. Our Instagram handle is adversity underscore university. Our Twitter handle is adversity underscore UNIV. And our Facebook page is Adversity University. 
If you know of any high-level athlete or professional that has an interesting story of overcoming adversity and you think they should share it, you can email us at adversityuniversitytalkshow at gmail.com. You can also use that email if you are interested in becoming a sponsor for Adversity University. We look forward to bringing our listeners more content from interesting guests weekly, so stay tuned on social media to see who could be next and what our past guests are up to now.